Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. My name is Caroline and I am the founder of the business community Baytalk, where we connect and promote local business in Sydney's inner west. Thanks to my son Richard for producing the intro music. In today's podcast, I am joined by a very inspirational woman, Marlene Moore. Marlene is a fitness coach in Five Dock with quite a story behind her. Marlene grew up in a suffocating Egyptian environment and at the age of just 19 she ran away from the repressive rules and expectations of a society that she never identified with. In this podcast, Marlene will talk us through her story of building a life in Sydney and her story of her own weight loss struggle and unhealthy relationship that she had with food. Hi Marlene, thank you for coming on. how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. That's okay, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, So, can you talk us through the journey of escaping the oppression of your very conservative control that you had um, from your father and ultimately getting away from Egypt? Yeah, well, um, I was born and raised in Egypt and in West Africa and the Ivory Coast, but at a very young age... Um, between the age of four and nine, my mom had brought us here to Australia. So I had a taste of the Western world and and freedom. Um, So going back to my father and being in Egypt was a very, very, very hard thing for me to readjust to after getting a taste of freedom in the Western world. Um, And my father was very, very controlling. I don't want to say that he was like every Egyptian man because there are some great Egyptian men out there. But my dad certainly had a lot of um, personal issues, pride issues, ego issues, and they translated a lot into the way he uh, disciplined and ran the family. Um, my mum definitely was not happy with my dad. He was physically abusive with her um, at times, but mostly emotionally abusive with the entire family, especially the girls and the women in the family. And I remember at the age of 18, um, I had my last uh, face-to-face interaction with my dad in Egypt. And I had woken up in the morning. I was very well overweight um, because I'd been emotionally eating my whole life and didn't know how else to deal with my emotions. And I woke up one day, um, excited to go for a jog. And I was just about to leave the house when my father went, where do you think you're going? And I said, I'm going for a jog. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, why not? And he said, because I said so. Get back in your room. And I, of course, being a teenager, was very upset and walked into my room and slammed the door behind me. And my dad came in, threw the door open. Did you slam the door? And of course, I was afraid. And so I lied. And I said, no, it was the wind. It was a breeze. And, um, and he said, no, you're lying. And he pushed me to the ground, spat on me. And yelled at me and said, you're going to amount to nothing. You're a disrespectful dog, something along those lines. um, And you're not going to be anything in life. And I remember as I was laying there on the floor, I had just had enough of everything. And without thinking, I just laying down on the floor with him standing over me. I just kicked him right in the nuts, which I'm still very proud of today. (laughs) And um, he fell over on the couch behind him. And I took my opportunity and ran out of the house knowing that he was leaving the country that night for a business trip. And then while he was gone, I started planning my escape from Egypt. So our passports were locked away in his safe because he knew that we wanted to leave and we weren't allowed to work because having an income meant options and freedom, which he also didn't like. 
So I was very much wanting to leave, but didn't really know how to. And one day I was approached by a couple of guys in a philosophy class of mine. And they said, hey, there's a university, there's a university competition. They pay the winners um, three grand in cash and three grand worth of prizes. We think you're pretty smart. Do you want to be part of our team? And I, of course, saw this as a sign or my yeah. opportunities. So I jumped on it. I won't go into the details, but we won first place. And I was then able to take the three grand and go to the Australian embassy with uh, photocopies of my passport and my birth certificate to prove that I was my mother's daughter um, and my mom was had Australian citizenship. And they mm -hmm. issued me a new passport and that took maybe about three months of secret visits to the embassy and then hiding my passport literally in my underwear because I didn't want it to be found. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I started planning my escape and I told my mum because she'd been talking about wanting to leave for a very long time, but she was always very afraid um, of taking my brother, who was the only son my dad had and the only man in the entire extended family carrying the name, and leaving. So mum was always very afraid. So I shared with her, I told her I wanted to leave. Um, she agreed, yep, I'm, I'll leave too, uh, but can you put it off a bit, she said. And I knew, given my mom's history, that she was a bit flaky and I didn't want to. So I said, no, I've booked my flight. This is the date that I'm leaving. And then, of course, the night of my flight, um, my mom locked me, locked me up or deadbolted the doors of our fourth floor apartment and sat outside in the stairwell until my flight took off without me. And um, when she finally came through the doors, of course, I'd been bawling my eyes out for hours and messaging her and begging and pleading. And the begging and the pleading turned into anger and insults to my mom you know for what I considered backstabbing me and you know not mm -hmm. helping me leave a, an unhealthy environment um so yeah so when she came through the doors I pushed her aside took my suitcase ran to the airport of course they confirmed the flight had left without me and I got back in my car and just sat there and bawled my eyes out for a good 20 minutes and then realized all right no time for tears I have to find another solution so I called the airline and made up a story about how I had a flat tire and missed my flight and they said that's fine there's another flight tomorrow we'll put you on there you just need to pay another $200 so of course I did that mm. and I didn't go home that night I stayed at a friend's house the next day when when my friend was dropping me off at the airport um, I walked in and of course my mom's there with my dad's brother because um, my dad was still on a business trip and had no idea what was going on but my mom had went and told his brother so they're both there waiting for me to show up at the airport because they called the airline found out there was another flight the next day so they were a step ahead of you they were a step ahead of me yeah. so I walk in my uncle sees me um, and comes up grabs me by the shoulders and goes what the hell do you think you're doing this is all in Arabic and I said to him I'm getting the fuck out of here that's what I'm doing and he said no you're not and he took my suitcase snatched it out of my hand and started walking off and I thought you know what I don't need clothes. I just need my passport. That's all I need. So I went up to the guard and gave him my Australian passport. And as he was looking at it, my uncle came up from behind me and snatched the passport out of the guard's hands and said, I'm her legal guardian. She's not allowed to leave the country. And he walked off. So I turned to the guard with complete look of shock on my face and said to him in English, I don't know who that man is. I said, but you just gave him my passport. I said, you better go get it back. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job. <laughs> Quick thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still can't believe I came up with that. But he, he ran after my uncle. 
and said, sir, you got to give me back the passport. And of course, they argued about it. And he said, either way, it's an Australian passport. Even if you're her legal guardian, it won't apply. So surely enough, I got my passport back. Um, I went in, got my boarding pass and came back to that threshold again where my mother and my uncle were standing in hopes of getting my suitcase back. And I went up to the threshold and um, my uncle came in and leaned really close to me and he said, you're going to be in so much trouble when you get back. And with all the rage and anger and oppression of 18 years and 19 years, I just looked at him and I said, you know what, fuck you, fuck your family and fuck your culture. And I turned to my mom and I said, mom, I said, are you going to give me back my suitcase? And she said, no. I said, that's fine. I said, but I have everything I need here in this small bag, which was a computer bag, to never have to see you again. I said, you can give me back my suitcase and you'll see me again, or you can keep it and you'll never see me again. And she didn't say anything. And I began to walk away and she said, wait, come back, take your suitcase, which was a huge relief because I wanted to see my mom again too. So, um... Yeah, so I got my suitcase and of course I was shaking and eventually made it here to Australia and I'm very happy to say that um, it was a tough, you know, six months. I cried myself to sleep every night the first six months not knowing anyone here and feeling really alone. Um, but I have the dream life that I've always dreamt of now and I'm so yeah. happy. Yep. So when did you realize, I mean, you talk about the unhealthy relationship with food. When did you realize that? that you had an unhealthy relationship with food and that you used food for comfort. At what stage did you realise that? I think I always subconsciously knew, but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind as something that I could fix mm -hmm. until actually a few years into me leaving the finance industry and getting into fitness. I'd already lost about 25 kilos, um, but it was a lot of struggle, like forcing myself to diet, forcing myself to exercise and you know, falling off the wagon and binging one day and then beating myself up for days. Yeah. And it was actually in one of those um, negative downward spirals that I was having um, that I remember looking in the mirror and I just heard myself inside say, you're an ugly fat bitch. And Man. yeah, and hearing that and remembering that my dad used to call me very similar things, that was the, the massive epiphany that I had of, I'm talking to myself the way my dad used to talk to me and I didn't run away from Egypt and the culture and the family just mm -hmm. so that I can keep talking to myself this way. Yeah. And that's when I realized, and I cried a lot at the moment as well, um, when I realized I don't love myself, you know, and I wasn't taught how to love myself. Mm. So I think that became the, the initial awareness of I don't have a good relationship with myself. I've got very poor body image issues. Um, and I'm not using food for nutrition. I'm using it for comfort and even to bury some of my feelings instead of dealing with them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that started me on a whole um, different journey, still very much tied to fitness, but more uh, incorporating the help of, you know, psychologists and lots of self-help books and doing, you know, weekend long courses um, mm -hmm. just to understand, you know, where I got these negative thought patterns from and then begin to to use what I call emotional coaching to slowly transform the relationship that I had with myself, my body and food. And this yeah. same program of emotional coaching is what I use with my clients now. And I think that's what gives me a great competitive advantage instead of just nutrition and exercise, because we can all get those online. There's a million eating plans and exercise plans. There is, yeah. But there's a reason that people struggle to stick to it. And that's because a lot of people are dieting because they hate 
themselves or they hate their bodies instead of they want to learn how to love themselves and care for themselves Mm -hmm. oh yeah so that was my epiphany there so then what I would like to ask then is that so as you know after having a baby you're you're tired you're hormonal of course um there's days you don't get to the shower yeah I know a lovely story of coming home and there was I had a red t-shirt on and there were these two really big wet patches on my t-shirt because your boobs are leaking (laughs) tummy's wobbly you're crying and you don't know why and it just it's just a a hard time Mm. and so in this time more than ever you need to feel loved and supported and not pressured to get your pre-baby body back when you've got so many other challenges yeah. that we're going through. Absolutely. And um, I know as a woman, I just needed to feel from my husband, just from everything, that I was just um, complete and unconditionally loved and it didn't matter. Of course. Do you think there's too much pressure to get the pre-baby body back? And what tips can you give to a woman to get her body strength back, particularly the core? You know, yeah. how do we get our core strength back? So that's the, I guess that's the physical side of the core, but yeah. how do we get our strength back emotionally? Well, I'm very big on changing um, the way that women are expected to live their lives. And I think for a long time we're expected, you know, to achieve the ultimate goal of becoming a wife and mother. And then that sort of dominates our personality to the exclusion of everything else. Um, So I'm very, very, very passionate about um, promoting or encouraging women to still maintain their identity after having kids. And I think yeah. part of our identity is very much tied to our image, right? Or what we see when we look in the mirror. So I think absolutely you need to be very realistic about, all right, I just made another human being and squeezed it out of my hoo-ha. And um, the baby that's come out is maybe three or four kilos, but you've probably put on about 15 kilos. Um, so you're not going to lose the weight right away. I'd say definitely give it, you know, six to 12 months But I don't think there's anything wrong with setting goals for yourself as part of self-care and as part of uh, protecting and maintaining the identity. So I see a lot of women get pregnant and quit the gym while they're pregnant because, you know, it becomes, oh, well, I'm pregnant now. What a great excuse to not have to exercise. But how much harder will it be later to try to get back on the wagon if you've stopped during your pregnancy? Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend that women um, always stay active throughout their pregnancy. So if you're planning on getting pregnant, I'd say start exercising before so that it's not a shock to the body when you get pregnant. So that's a general rule that doctors give. Okay. If you were training before, you can keep training during. Yep. And if you're training during, you can keep training like a week or two after you have the baby. But if you don't have a history of exercising and you, know, you got pregnant and you, you know, sat most of the time, Um, then I'd say absolutely you need to take it very, very, very easily, very slowly moving into it. And definitely check with your your doctor or obstetrician about the abdominal separation. So um, when your muscles get pulled apart Mm. because your stomach's stretching so much, your core section is definitely going to be negatively affected and you have to very gradually work work your way back into that. So I'd say... um, the right type of pressure is good pressure and that pressure should only be from yourself it shouldn't be from your partner it shouldn't be from society or from some hot instagram woman that had a baby and looked you know came out of the hospital looking like a supermodel um most of the time that's genetics um so yeah so be realistic 
with your goals, ease into everything, but don't be afraid to set those goals and put healthy pressure on yourself to be a woman of your word, for example. So if you say, you know what, I had this baby and that's what I did. I said, I had this baby, but I don't want to lose my identity. And I spoke to my husband and I said, you know what, I carried it for nine months. Next nine months, you're carrying the baby. And I prioritize my going to the gym, you know, two or three times a week. And that was it, just the gym and my baby. Everything else went to the bottom of the priority list, but I did not want to come out the other end as a mum who, you know, put on 10 kilos and now I'm going to have a second baby, put another 10 kilos on top of that. And then there goes my body image all over again and my self-esteem. And I think it's important for us to protect that. So as long as you have um, a way of easing into it, I think that's healthy pressure, not bad pressure. Okay, so as long as the pressure, like you say, is internal, it's only for what you're wanting for yourself, not what you're expecting, well, what society is expecting on you. That's it. Hollywood is expecting. No, you know, it's those really types about feeling places. good in your body. Yeah, just feel good in your body. But if, mm. you're, if you don't exercise and you've put a lot of weight and you've got into the habit of, you know, finishing your kids' food and never making yourself a real meal and just eating everybody's leftovers, then that's another example of the way that women or moms put themselves last. Yeah. And then inadvertently put on weight because they haven't prepared an actual meal for themselves. They're not aware of how much they're eating. They're just eating everybody else's leftovers and they're exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. But if you prioritize you and make yourself meals because you're just as important as everybody else in the family and only eat your food and prioritize your training, just like your partner is going to prioritize his training because he'll still go to the gym. Yeah. Then I think that's that's very healthy. Yeah. 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 No, so do I. Um, now, have you got anything else that you want to, to add or say to the listeners? Um, well, I think whatever stage of your life you're in or whatever your goals are, be it weight loss or even if you want to build some size or you just want to lose just a little bit of weight just to feel good again, um, mm. I think the foundation has to be one of self-love and doing things because you love yourself again not because you hate your body because if you wake up every morning and look in the mirror and think i gotta change my body i hate it what a bad way to start the day oh yeah yeah but if you wake up every morning and you look in the mirror and you think you know what i deserve to put some effort into myself and i'm going to prioritize me and what's good for me then that's an encouraging empowering thing that will remind you throughout the day that you matter and that you know tough love you know, that you enforce with yourself. It's just like the tough love you enforce with, with your kids. So your kid might not feel like studying, but they have to study because they have an exam. So you're going to make them study. And the same exact thing. You might not feel like working out or you might not feel like having a salad, but you know it's what's good for you, and so you're going to do it. So that's what, what, I, would, what I would say to people is whatever your goal is, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, make it come from a place of self-love instead of self-loathing. I love it. I love that. Thank That's you. really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you, much Caroline. for coming on. People can, I will put your the link to your um, your website and your Instagram and everything on Excellent. the on the website so people can get in contact How with you. How exciting. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks, Caroline.